It's Tuesday, July 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, investor at large, patriot, Tim Hansen. Thanks for being here. I love America. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about America, but let's uh, let's talk about uh, and and the World Cup. We'll get to the World Cup. Hey, look, which America is not participating in? Which America is not participating in? You know what? America didn't earn the right to participate in the World Cup, and that's how that goes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So they'll definitely be participating in eight years when North America hosts. Yes, because that's the great thing about being the host. The old auto bid. You default in, and so let's let's see if the team can earn their way. I think they'll be there in four years too. I think they'll make the. the You think so? Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, well, I, I was going to say, look, Bill Barker was on here yesterday, and he talked about Wimbledon. So if he can talk about Will- Wimbledon, <laughs> we can talk about the World Cup. Um, let, let's start with the full 100 index, though, because that's um, uh, we're at the halfway point of of the year. It's a it's a short uh, day today on Wall Street. The market closes at one o'clock. Um, first half uh, for the full 100 index. Looking pretty good. I mean, the, for context, the S and P 500 basically up two percent year to date. Yep, and the full 100 is up almost ten uh, percent year to date. So it's been a good year for uh, for foolish investing. I think you can credit a lot of that to um, the continued outperformance of large technology stocks, of which we have loved for a very long time and continue to love. Um, but yeah, it's been a good it's been a good good year so far for that. And and also, uh, the index got some new constituents as of the most recent rebalance, which is kind of interesting. The rebalance happens on a quarterly basis? Yes. And so, new constituents in the full 100 index, um, banks. Banks and airlines. Yeah, those were the, the interesting additions. So I mean, there were more than that. Um, yeah, but that's what yeah, yeah, stood yeah. out to me. Like, wow, there are a couple of really big banks who are now yeah, part of this. Yeah, bank, and they come in because it's a market cap weighted index. They come in as pretty large um, components. Uh, so, Bank of America and J.P. Morgan both both came in. Um, people, fool analysts, like like started liking those two stocks in the quarter. You know, I asked a little bit around the office as as to why. Um, the answers were. Uh, pretty good relative valuations relative to the rest of the market, so banks looking a little bit cheaper, and also the idea that a rising interest rate environment um, is going to be good for their profitability. Which I think I think there's credibility to both to both those ideas. In terms of the airlines, the the rising cost of fuel is is not a concern. Well, you know it's interesting. So I asked around about that too, and we've got a couple analysts who have have turned pretty bullish on on the sector, which is why a couple airlines came in. I think it now includes uh, Delta as well as American and Southwest. Um, and their idea there was that there's been consolidation in the industry. There's been more rational pricing. And so they expect that, um, and again, the sector from a relative valuation perspective looks a lot less expensive than the broader market. Um, so they're seeing opportunity there uh, for those reasons, which is interesting because I think you know banks and airlines historically, I think are not uh, sectors that you would find foolish analyst trafficking in, but it just goes to show that, um, you know, we have a we have a flexible and, and idiosyncratic process, which is the full 100 seeks to try to capture that. The surprising thing to me is is what you said about the relative valuation of uh, the airlines, because I think just as a group, that's a that's a group of stocks that's done pretty well oh, that's true. O- over the last year or so. Is is the relative valuation in part a factor of just how well tech has done? Yeah, I mean the whole market has been up. I mean, I was looking at the data the other day. I think it's been nine or ten years since the market has been down for a year. I mean, that's ten years of rising. So that's incredible. I mean, and so and that's not going to stop, right? Well, you know, I, who can say? Who among us? Um, 
Uh, no, airlines have certainly done well. I think that's a product of two things. One, um, historically, I think the market has been sour on airlines for a variety of reasons, um, and and so the market is catching up to the story that maybe they are becoming more profitable in a sustainable way. You know, and, and secondarily, I think it was about a year ago now, maybe a little longer than that, that uh, people started to notice that Warren Buffett, he who once said. You know what's the best way to make a million dollars in airlines? You know, buy ten million dollars for the airlines or whatever. Yeah. Um, he he was buying the stocks, I think, on a similar thesis of the potential for earnings expand, profit margin expansion, earnings growth, so on and so forth. So yeah, um, they've come a long way, but they were they were coming off the bottom. So I think you know they've had a a ways to go to catch up. Let's move on to Tesla. Um, over the weekend, Tesla hit its goal of producing five thousand Model Threes in the final week of the second quarter. Wall Street really doesn't seem to be that impressed. I mean, the stock is down about five percent today, and I, I can't tell if that's the circumstances under which Tesla hit its goal. Uh, there were some, you know, reports of modifications they were making. There was the whole big tent thing, but also, uh, and we were talking about this right before we started taping. There, uh, Doug Field is that the guy? Yeah, name? yeah, the head They're, of engineering. Head of engineering just left. He yeah. was on a sabbatical, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I'm this not going to come back. I'm not coming back." Yeah, you know, I think I think it's right. I mean, the, so the stock is is down since they met their five thousand per week goal. You know, and I, like I said, I, th- I think it's to you point out. I mean, it was a very hastily achieved goal. So they had that um, the tent production line. They work, you know, basically worked nonstop in the last week to 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 hit that goal. You know, is that goal really important? I mean, from a credibility standpoint, maybe because they'd missed it so many times. But I think the important thing to watch going forward is can they sustainably produce five thousand a week? Um, I, I would. Think that the evidence suggests that they cannot um, yet. Uh, they also missed pretty wildly on deliveries, which just speaks to the fact that um, their production was so backloaded in the quarter that they weren't able to get any of those cars to customers. Um, so, can they actually meet that those targets on a sustainable basis? Um, there was a funny quote from an MIT professor in a in a journal article, where it was just like, you know, to the extent Tesla's innovated anything on production, it's you know how to hastily cram together like a manufacturing facility that helps you meet an arbitrary goal, which is the best practice manufacturer, no other manufacturer will probably ever adopt. So you know, we'll see, we'll see. I think the jury is definitely still out on whether or not they can you know not just meet arbitrary production goals, but actually put the business in a position where they can meet their capital demands. Uh, it- Elon Musk uh, took to Twitter as he does uh, to to give a shout out to the the team at Tesla, and he wrote um, seven thousand cars in seven days. You know, put some hearts. You know, sort yep. of shout out to the Tesla team, uh, which prompted. A Did he really use heart 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 emojis? He used heart emojis. That's cute. Yeah, and um, it prompted a response from Stephen Armstrong, who is the chairman and CEO of Ford Motor Europe. Okay, and he wrote. Seven thousand cars in around four hours, and then put little hearts, <laughs> little hearts. You know, shout out to the Ford Motor Team. Probably they didn't probably have a tent either. I don't think they had a tent. They, <laughs> there was no mention of that. Uh, it was just a nice reminder for me that uh, I, I'm I'm always a fan of corporations trolling one another. Oh, of course. That's, oh, that's never not going to be. It's always entertaining. Must view, you know, must viewing for me. Yeah, I, like go for it. Um, I think we should have more. I would encourage more of that. Yeah, more abs- corporate tro- trolling one another. Absolutely, particularly in this. And and by the way, I don't know Stephen Armstrong. Um, I don't. Uh, now you want to get beer with him, I bet. No, but <laughs> I was I wasn't going to say that. But I just uh, Ford Motor for whatever one thinks of Ford Motor. One doesn't think of them probably as uh, having a great sense of humor, sure. like on social media. That yeah. could, like this isn't John Ledger from T-Mobile. Right, right. We right. expect that out of him. 
Um, but yeah, nice little wrinkle from Ford. I think it just goes to show, you know, it, it, I read a really interesting paper uh, recently that made the case that histor- you know historically it's been the case that people thought that uh, lightly covered small caps were most likely to be misvalued um, because there weren't a lot of people analyzing them. And what this paper was arguing is that they now think that that part of the market is the most efficient part of the market because there are so many computers looking at data and trading on the data that, you know, from a financial fundamental standpoint, those stocks are probably pretty accurately priced. And what the paper was arguing was that the where you can find misperceptions of value now are actually in the most widely followed tech stocks like Tesla, like Facebook. And the reason is because they're trading on um, consensus views rather than on actual fundamentals. And it just, you know, it's a long-winded way of saying, you know, that tweet is a reminder that I think Tesla has a greater valuation than Ford. And meanwhile, Tesla's like, hey, we're finally a real car company. And um, we made 7,000 cars in seven days. And oh, by the way, this company that is the same size, maybe smaller, made 7,000 cars in four hours. So does Tesla deserve its valuation? We're going to find out. Um, on yesterday's episode, uh, Bill Barker and I talked about, uh, well, coffee, because sure. that, that often comes up. Yep. I forgot to mention yesterday. Coffee was, and tennis. Good show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A little bit of stocks here and there. Um, uh, I forgot to mention yesterday was the day that Dunkin' Donuts rolled out their donut fries. You, were, I saw you eating them. I yes. They, How were they? They were they were pretty good. I don't think they're a game changer for you're, them. You're underwhelmed. Um, I I don't know what I was expecting. I wasn't necessarily expecting what it is, which is essentially it's a churro. It's Dunkin' Donuts, basically like it's their attempt at a churro, a rebranded churro. Yeah, it's okay. it's not it's not bad. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to buy more. I'll be curious to see on the next call with Dunkin' Brands. Like, to, to, does this move the needle at all? <laughs> I have to believe, at least from a production well, standpoint, yeah, they're getting mentioned on Market Foolery. Which, I mean, that's going to move the needle for them. No, absolutely, you can't buy that. Ad- well, you can buy that advertising. You, you can. They choose not to. <laughs> um, I, I have to believe from a just from a profit margin standpoint, it's probably a profitable item. Sure. Um, what they bill you for the the churro? It's a couple of bucks, okay. um, but to produce those things, it can't cost that much money. <laughs> so, so we'll see. We'll see what that does to their average uh, ticket order. Um, World Cup. I'm taking you away from a game right now, so I really appreciate you. No, being no, in the studio. I've probably been watching too much. Um, it's been an enjoyable tournament for you. Yes, uh, yes. This, I think the games have been uh, very exciting. A little conf- or I was going to say a little recency bias because yesterday you and I and probably a, at least a dozen of our colleagues were watching the highly entertaining Belgium Japan game. That was a great game. I saw David Gardner on Twitter declared it the game of the game of the tournament so I, far. I think he's right about that. That was good. That was, you know I think the only one that would challenge that would be the I thought the France Argentina match was also very entertaining with high quality. Scoring, um, you know, and it, and it could be that France and, and Belgium end up playing each other, or France versus that. I mean, that side of the bracket is just killer with France, Uruguay, Belgium, and Brazil all hanging in there. Um, you may remember Belgium as my dark horse, which I mentioned yes. prior to the tournament, which makes up for the fact that I also mentioned Germany on that podcast, and they <laughs> they bombed out in a very disappointing manner. You take solace in the fact that you have a lot of company. Among people who yes. thought Germany was going to get to the finals of this tournament, man, no, I mean all that depth and just no intensity. I think I don't know who that's on. Is there any investing takeaway there? Is there any investing corollary? I mean, I, I suppose at least one of them is there's there's no substitute for showing up. That's true. You know, better to be in the game than not. Yeah, I guess. Um, 
But no, it's been a great tournament. Looking forward to see how it continues to go. I think, uh, you know, that one side of the bracket, very difficult. A lot of high-profile teams, which means on the other side of the bracket, there's an opportunity for a real dark horse to to come through. My son is pulling hard for uh, Croatia. So we'll see. Um, two quick things before we wrap up. Uh, one, uh, as I mentioned the other day on Market Foolery, uh, all month long for the month, entire month of July, in honor of the Motley Fool's 25th anniversary uh, at our podcast swag shop, everything is 25% off. Hey, so go I to get that. shop.fool.com. Stuff's flying off the shelves there. Is it? It is, actually. Do we have shelves? Um, well, we don't. The, the people we work with who actually make the the T-shirts and the coffee mugs and the hoodies, the, those folks out in California, they have the shelves. They've assured you that they're sitting yes, on shelves. Yes. Actually, Dan Boyd and I, when we were in San Francisco for our member event uh-huh. earlier this year, Dan and I went over to the Social Imprints oh. um, uh, place of business and saw their their office and then like where they're producing stuff and and uh, so you verified this is a legit company and not a not a scam by you to <laughs> Dan this is a legit company right I mean I can't believe is this is this Tim's last appearance if every he's a... single time Tim comes on the show he's got to challenge you over something he can't we can't just be like oh we're doing a thing Tim's got to come on and be like well why aren't you guys doing it better <laughs> thanks Tim. <laughs> You know, that's my kid says the same thing to me. Does he? No, well, you know, why, why, why can't I just do something? Make me do it better. Why are you mean? Um, just raising the bar. Just. <laughs> Um, so uh, uh, I'm out next week. I, I mentioned uh, uh, we, we were talking because you, uh, for anyone who follows you on Twitter, uh, they've probably figured out that, uh, that you're home alone. Yes, because you've got uh, you've got a little uh, time to yourself um, where you can listen <laughs> to whatever music you want to. You can make whatever you want for dinner. Uh, I'm out next week, uh, uh, family vacation, and um, one of the things we, you and I were talking about was. Ah, just the the ability to read, like just to sit yep. quiet and like read a book. And so, um, uh, one of the books I'm taking with me on vacation is uh, "Founding Brothers" by Joseph Ellis, um, which I don't know if you're familiar with this book, but it's basically about the first decade of America. It was basically oh, cool. like after you know, uh, and sort of the relationship between um, the founding fathers, that kind of thing. Um, and I I I just started uh, flipping through it, and I wanted to read this passage from from early on because I think. Um, since tomorrow is Independence Day, obviously market is closed. We're off. We're off for the rest of the week, but we'll be back on Monday. Um, great chance to check out the Motley Fool's other podcasts, uh, Motley Fool Answers, Rule Breaking Investing, etc. Um, so this, this, because part of the premise of of this book is. Uh, it's pretty easy at this point in history in America to just sort of look back and be like, "Well, you know, we we signed the Declaration of Independence and we won the Re- Revolutionary War and like everything was peachy after that." Smooth sailing. Smooth sailing. And this this uh, this snapshot I think is pretty telling. Um, uh, and I'll just read directly from the book on July. F- and this sort of goes to the mood of of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence on July fourth, seventeen seventy six, just after the Continental Congress had finished making its revisions of the Declaration and sent it off to the printer for publication. Benjamin Rush, who was uh, one of the signers uh, from Pennsylvania, Benjamin Rush overheard a conversation between Benjamin Harrison of Virginia and Elbridge Gerry of Massachusetts. I shall have a great advantage over you, Mr. Gary, said Harrison, when we are all hung for what we are now doing. From the size and weight of my body, I shall die in a few minutes. But from the lightness of your body, you will dance in the air for an hour or two before you are dead. Rush recalled that the comment procured a transient smile, but it was soon succeeded by the solemnity with which the whole business was conducted. Shout out to the 
the That's original funny. rule breakers who, 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 who at no point, I think, thought, oh, yeah, everything's going to be great from here on out. Instead, they're like, pretty sure the way this goes down is we just signed our death warrants. Hey, it worked out. It worked out in the long run. <laughs> Tim Hansen, thanks for being here. Happy for it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.